Don't get too excited. You haven't heard anything yet. <laughs> good morning. Um, we got a good message this morning, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, welcome again, Outline. Uh, outline? Online. Online, Outline, wherever you are. Um, welcome, if you're watching uh, across the world again, our uh, Pastor Paphras Malale and the church in Tanzania and everyone that, that streams us online. Uh, my parents, hello. Um, before we get too far going into the message, I wanted to just recap uh, something real fast. Me and a couple other folks um, from Discover yesterday went downtown uh, for something called the Jesus March that happened yesterday. We got a few uh, photos here. So we all gathered at Civic Center Park, and uh, there was about 3,000 people. Um, super cool. This is, this is us in the middle of the march worshiping at the Capitol building. Here's, I mean, how cool is that? A couple of guys with a, on the steps of the Capitol with a banner that says, Jesus is King. Um, this is us. We went up around, like, uh, from Civic Center Park in front of the city and county building all the way up to the Capitol, and then all the way up down Lincoln and down 13th in front of the um, art museum. So this is, I mean, this is Broadway. That's Lincoln back there. I mean, this is just, just literally thousands of people. You know, the, the cops are blocking off Broadway as we're marching over three city blocks and the traffic is just sitting there watching a bunch of people chant Jesus in the middle of downtown. So yeah, so this was the, uh, the amphitheater at, um, at, at Civic Center where we started and ended and just had worship and a bunch of prayer. I've got some, some fun videos of it as well. Super cool, but uh, you know, as we talk about uh, in, this, in this series, just kind of the the, the oneness of the body, and even this morning as we talk about, um, just Paul talks about all God's holy people. I just want to tell you, there's, there's such an amazing amount of things going on uh, that way. They were very specific. They got up and they, you know, prayer, uh, before there were like six or seven people that prayed uh, in Spanish, uh, in a language I didn't even recognize, honestly. I'm not sure what it was. There was a group of, like an African church that was just dancing and doing their thing on uh, Swahili or something. I'm not sure what, again, not a language I knew, but it was, it was a really, really cool time. The diversity was amazing. And they just got up and they said, you know, we are not here about uh, a denomination or about a person or about, a, we're here in the name of Jesus, full stop. So it was really a cool, it was a really cool time. So I just, I just wanted to share that as we just talk about, you know, um, the move of the spirit and the way God is moving in Denver and Colorado. It's, it was just a cool thing to be part of. So um, don't forget that our church, the church of Jesus goes well beyond this building uh, into our bigger community and then across the world, of course. So, all right. Um, well, let me pray and we'll get going. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you uh, that your church is universal. It knows no bounds. It knows no ethnicity, it knows no language, but it knows no borders. So we love you, praise you, speak to us uh, this morning, uh, Father, about your love and who you are, in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, this morning we are in the second half of Ephesians 3, and we are talking about the power of love. That's right, the power of love. For all of us who lived through the 80s, who are currently hearing Huey Lewis and the men are back of our heads, if I could have shown up in a DeLorean this morning, I totally would have done that. But I, yeah, <clears throat> I was worried that if I played a 
a clip of the music that YouTube would kill us for the, uh, would kill the stream for their copyright issues, but, but still, I could sing it. I'm not going to do that. Um, <clears throat> so a question this morning before we start. Have you ever been in love? More importantly, have you ever been loved? Have you ever felt the love of someone in a way that made you feel seen, wanted, or really important? Perhaps it was a first love, the person you married, right? But it doesn't have to be romantic. Perhaps you can think of a time when one of your parents said something or looked at you in a way that just filled you up. Or maybe it was a mentor or a coach or a teacher that gave you something you didn't get at home that put your life on a different course. Stop for a moment and think about what that felt like. Right? Revel in that place of being valued, of standing out, of being wanted. Right? How does that make you want to respond? Right. What about this? Have you ever experienced something that was so awe-inspiring that you couldn't wait to share it? I mean, it could have been something as simple as a, a movie or a piece of art that just moved you so deeply. My wife, a couple weeks ago, we were scanning Netflix, and I went, ooh, Shawshank Redemption. She goes, I've never seen that. And I was like, what? You've never seen Shawshank? So we watched Shawshank, and she was like, I don't know about this. In the end, she was like, that was an amazing movie. Um, so... You know, there, there's just these things that inspire us, right? And, uh, you know, I mean, how many of us have ever summited a 14er here in Colorado, right? Stood on the top of the world and just looked and thought, wow, I wish I could bring everybody up here with me right now, right? Or maybe you sat on a beach, right, with a spectacular fiery sunset on the horizon, and all you could think was, man, I could take a picture of this, <laughs> It would never do it justice, right? I, I just wish that everyone I knew could experience this with me right now. So keep those thoughts in mind as we go forward this morning. <clears throat> We're in the second half of Ephesians chapter three this morning, and this is essentially the uh, end of the first section of Paul's letter. I'll pull it up here. Um, <clears throat> So let's read this, Ephesians three fourteen to 22. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all God's holy people, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of this love? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so real fast, those last two verses, right, that we, many of us have often heard, right, that now to him who is able to do it, right, um, it's called a doxology, and that kind of acts as a, a period, right, on Paul's thoughts up to this point. Um, 
I kind of picture Paul like having just poured out his heart, right, with everything we've talked about. Just, I love this, and, and you, and the, the, you're saved by grace through faith, right? And then he kind of gets to the end and goes, whew, okay, um, whew. All right, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than dot, 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 right? Uh, and we'll come back to that part later, but I just, it's important to see that part for what it is because it's a little separate from the rest of Paul's prayer here. This section clearly is a prayer of Paul for the Ephesian church. And there are a couple quick things to pull out of the text that give us some context. So let's cover that and um, then we'll kind of get into the bigger message here. So first of all, Paul starts by saying that he kneels before the Father, quote, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The Greek here denotes a common people or tribe that come from a common origin. Right, so this is more than just a, like a passing face value statement, right? To the father from whom you know, all fatherhood and every family derives its name. Paul just finished talking about the great mystery of the Gentiles being one with the Jews. Right, this is not something that a Jew like Paul would normally have said. Right? They would have said that God was their father, right? the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right, but Paul is driving home the point now that every family and every tribe on earth comes down from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, not just the nation of Israel. That God has removed the dividing wall of hostility, like he said in chapter 2, and that the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, like he said in verse 6 last week. In verses 16 and 17, Paul goes on to say that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And this is an echo of what Paul said in chapter 2, right? that it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is a gift of God. And here he says that gift comes from the riches of God's glory. So interestingly, the word um, translated strengthened here, it has the connotation of being strengthened like a bodybuilder, right? Or like a child growing into maturity, right? It's not a sense of being strengthened because you're weak or have lost strength, right? Maybe because of persecution or struggles. The sense here is God saved you by the gift of his grace, right? And now Paul is asking that God continued that process to bring them to the fullness of maturity in that salvation. <clears throat> so the other important word here that Paul repeats several times that we translate power is the Greek word dunamis, right? which if you've ever taken Jackie's class, you're familiar with that word. Um, this is the root, root of the word where we get uh, the word dynamite, Right? It often has the implication in the New Testament of miraculous working of power. Um, Paul uses this several times in the letter, um, including to describe actually how God made him a minister of the gospel, right, through the power. Um, What's interesting is that um, later when we get to the armor of God, right, Paul doesn't actually use that word power. Right, he says... Um, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? Uh, and the only reason I mention that is we don't fight spiritual battles in the miraculous, 
right? God uses the miraculous to make himself known and to exhibit his glory and his salvation, right? Certainly God had done many miracles through Paul in Ephesus, and the people had seen a tremendous amount of the dunamis power of God, right? In Acts 19, we read this. And God was doing extraordinary miracles at the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Anybody been involved in that lately? No. Right. This is incredible dunamis, right? This is the dunamis power of God, the working of miracles where you can't just, you just stop and go, uh, I'm sorry, what just happened, right? Um, and, and, and the church at Ephesus had seen plenty of this through Paul. But here's the interesting thing in today's passage. Paul doesn't seem to be talking about outward signs of miraculous power. Instead, Paul is using this language to talk about what I believe is the greatest miracle in the Christian life and something that we often overlook and take for granted. What Paul is conveying here is that the greatest show of the dunamis power of God is the first miracle of the Christian experience. And it is the power to understand the love of Christ. See, this is the first and greatest miracle of the Christian life. And I want us to revisit the fundamentals this morning of who we are and of what this love means. Uh, in sports, especially when a team is faltering, right, coach might often say, you know, we just need to get back to the fundamentals, right? How many of you watched the uh, Broncos preseason game, right, and thought, well, okay, I hope they get back to the fundamentals this year, <laughs> um, right? What they're usually trying to convey is a basic tenet of humanity, right? We are a deeply forgetful people. Right, especially when we grow in expertise or experience in any area of our lives, right, we can forget the things that we learned when we started. We take them for granted because they've kind of been eclipsed by what we now consider like greater knowledge. Right? For instance, have you ever tried to teach someone something at which you are highly skilled and at which they are a complete novice? Right? You quickly learn they have no idea what you're talking about most of the time, right? Because you take all this stuff for granted, right? The language you use, the way you approach the task, a hundred other things that you don't have to think about any longer, right? And so it is with what we're talking about today. So I'm gonna ask you to put aside, right, all that you think you know or have come to take for granted about the love of God and revisit this idea with me in a new way this morning. And here's the thing, if we can do that together, we just might walk out of here with a deeper closeness than we came in with. See, the language Paul uses in this passage to describe the love of God for us is so profound that it's worth spending some time dwelling on it. Because Paul starts by praying that the Father would strengthen us through power, through his spirit, so that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. Right? so that we might be rooted and established in love. Right? That's that dunamis, right? That through the dunamis power of his spirit, Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. See, salvation through faith is that planted seed 
right, just now breaking the ground and ready to flourish to harvest. It's the foundation of the home that is set and ready to be built on. And having set the stage there, Paul attempts to communicate this profound love, right, that he himself has come to live by. But he uses language that almost doesn't make sense. Okay, so I wonder if you've ever considered his choice of words. I just read this, and I wonder how many caught it. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So I'm going to let that sit there for a second. Take a second look at that. How do you know a love that surpasses knowledge? Is that an odd statement to make? How do you take hold of something that is so beyond the scope of your human capacity and its greatness? Right? Think of it this way. Have you ever been to the ocean? Right? Most of us, maybe. I have to ask since we live here. (laughs) I'm not talking about Chaffield. Right? Right? That can look several different ways, right? One, maybe you've been to the beach and you splashed in the water, right? Not very deep, not very far from shore. And you kind of gazed out the expanse and marveled that the water just stretches to the horizon, right? No other land in sight. Or maybe you took a boat or a jet ski kind of out past the breakers, right, where the water settles down a little bit. You can get a good distance from shore, but you can still see the land. Right? Out there, you get a little better feel of the expanse of the ocean. It feels like you could point that jet ski to the horizon and just go forever, Right, but you know that that's kind of a fantasy because the jet ski would run out of gas and you'd need a lot of supplies for a trip like that, right? So you play around a bit and then you turn back to the safety of the shore. But what if we take it a bit further, right? What if you find yourself on a lifeboat in the middle of the Pacific? Right, not on a cruise ship or a well-stocked sailing vessel, right, but drifting at the mercy of the current. Now, stand up in that boat, look around, right? What do you see? In every direction, there's only water, right? Stretches to every horizon now. You have no power to move on your own, and even if you did, where would you go? How do you know where you are, right? (laughs) Let alone where you need to go. And how would you feel, right? Small, powerless, overwhelmed by the absolute vastness that surrounds you, unable to actually know the almost unknowable size of the ocean. <laughs> right, if you can imagine yourself there, right, you're beginning to understand the idea of knowing the unknowable vastness of the love of God. Right, sitting there in that little boat, you would quickly look around and think, whew, east, west, north, south, there's only water. Right? I can't go up, there's only the sky above me. I have no idea how low the ocean floor is below me. <clears throat> Trying to capture that same idea, right? Paul says, he asks it, you might have power, right, again, the dunamis, to comprehend how long and wide and high and deep 
is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Right, the vastness of the love of God. It's unknowable. But, it, but if, here's the thing, if you are a, a person that has truly come to understand the love that God has for you, you know it can feel like that. Right? You're sitting in the vastness of an ocean that is so overwhelming, it's truly hard to understand. Right? How? How could he love me that much? Right? It can seem a bit daunting, right? deeply humbling, but so much so that far from the fear you would feel lost in the ocean, this is actually a place you never want to leave. Right? All you can think is, why would I ever want to go back to the land? But many of us, right, if we're honest, we never get to that place, do we? For myriad reasons, many of us are content to splash on the shore, dabbling in the love of God. By getting our feet wet and gazing out into the expanse, dreaming of what's out there, right? But unwilling to go. Some of us might venture a little bit further out past the breakers, right? Step a little further in our faith. But always kind of with a watchful eye on the shore. Seems a little too dangerous to get out where we don't feel prepared to go. Where that sense of enjoyment might fade into discipline and focus. But for those of us who are brave enough to venture further out, away from the things that we perceive as our safety, and are willing to sit in the expanse of his love, there is nothing like it. There are no words to express this love. I don't know, it's like it's beyond knowing. Right, the exhilaration of being caught up in that place is such that you realize it has to become the focus of everything you do and who you are. Right? There's no way that it can't. The power you find in that place is life-altering. And it can't be anything else. Right? Have you ever been there? Right? Forget everything else you've been told about what your life with God should look like this morning and ask yourself... Have I ever known the fundamental love of God in this way? That's a big question. Right, I could stop there. Right, I could stop with how great the love of God is for each of us. Right, how beautiful that is. Right, end story, full stop. And sadly, we often do that. Right, we often stop there. But see, doing that does no justice to this great love. Because, right, like I said, this love is life-changing and identity-altering. It consumes all that you want and all that you do and all that you are. And love like that can't be kept to yourself, can it? <laughs> Thank you, George. <laughs> Who falls in love and doesn't tell anyone? Who experiences the love of someone and doesn't want to be around that person and spend time with them? Right? So back to my original questions. How does being loved make you want to respond? How does experiencing something so awe-inspiring make you want to share it? Right? But listen, if you're more overwhelmed by the beautiful sunset than you are with the unending love of the eternal God over your life... You're missing something. 
right? Folks, listen to me. If you don't have a longing in your heart to spend time with the God that loves you beyond your comprehension, then you don't know the love I'm talking about this morning. Right? And this is what I mean by returning to the fundamentals, right? You might say, but I do Bible study and I go to church and I help in the food pantry and I dot, dot, dot. Right? But you've forgotten the fundamentals of the game. Right? It's, stop. it's time to stop and get back there. It's time to return to the fundamentals of the Christian life in a way that brings everything else we do here into context. Right? Isn't this the very correction that Jesus himself gives the church this church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation, right? Revelation 2 reads like this, right? I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Right? That could sound a lot like a lot of the things that we do right around here in the Christian life. But then he says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. Listen, I need to also say this. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't really know this love. I've been doing this a long time, but I don't know this love. Let me be very clear. You're not failing. Right? That's not what I'm saying. But historically, the American church has not done very well right, staying rooted and established in this love. More often, we have gravitated right, to, okay, now that you're saved, do this, that, and the other, and go here and perform this and do that, and here's how you behave as a Christian. Go on and do. Right? But all those things have to be deeply rooted in this love or they devolve into self-righteous religious activity more often than not. Right, and on the other side of that, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know what, that's a great idea, but I, I know I'm not worthy of that love. And let's be honest, a lot of us sitting in here have had that thought. I've had that thought. Right. Again, how could he possibly love me that much? Right. Listen, you're wrong. <laughs> Can't say it any more simply than that. That is nothing but lies from the enemy of your soul over your life. Right. Let's take a step back. Paul murdered Christians. The guy that wrote this letter, he murdered a lot of Christians. Right. David right, was an adulterer and a murderer. Moses was also a murderer, right? Peter disowned Jesus at the most intimate moment. What failures have you experienced, right, that the people that we call heroes in Scripture haven't experienced ten times over? Right, until your failures reach from the end of the sky to the other, right, you can't eclipse the love of your God. Right, so stop looking at your failures like the enemy wants you to and start looking at the infinite love of the God that accepts you. See, this love is the main thing. This is why Paul says to the Philippians, right, that when he discovered this love, everything in his life, his accomplishments, his standing in the community, all his possessions and wealth, 
became like garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Right? I have considered everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing my Christ Jesus, my Lord. I consider them garbage. Right? And don't forget, like we've talked about that. This was a guy who was at the top of his culture. Right? He was an incredibly well-respected person. But see, Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop on how great the love of God is, again, for him alone. As though the purpose of the Christian life, right, is to sit in a cute little love bubble with Jesus. <laughs> right? See, Paul goes on to tell them what this love means to him and how it drives the purpose of his life. He says in Philippians 3.18, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. See, for Paul, the fact that people around him didn't know the love of his God brought him to tears. His heart broke for anyone that hadn't heard about this love. What would that look like in your life if you came to know the unknowable God, the unknowable love of God in that way? How often have you looked at the people you work with, family members that don't know God, or friends that you hang out with, and thought, I want to cry right now realizing you don't know the love that I know in God. And if I took a poll right now, I'd actually bet that many of us have never even really thought of that idea, let alone actually thought that about someone else. And if that is the case, my friends, then you don't know this love yourself, right? You're splashing on the shore of the ocean of God's love and you're missing out on so much that he has for you. Again, that's not an accusation or a condemnation or a statement of failure. I'm just saying, there's a lot more ocean out there. There's so much for you and for those around you that don't know Jesus yet. Can you keep looking at them every day and thinking, ah, I guess they're probably fine. I mean, would knowing God make that much of a difference in their life? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Right, look again at that doxology in the last two verses. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, his dunamis that is at work within us, to him be gloried in the church and in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? His power is at work within us, the church, that we might bring him glory. Long before we think of that power for healing or prophecy or miracles, we need to think of it as the power to be loved and to love. Right? We are the instruments of love to bring God glory in this world. There's a story of a young girl that was in bed one night when a thunderstorm started shaking the house. Awakened and scared, she ran to her parents' room and climbed up next to her father. 
Seeing her fear, right, her father pulled her close and said to her, you don't have to be scared, sweetie. Jesus will protect you. And as the little girl clung tightly to her father's chest, she replied, I know, Daddy, but right now I just need someone with skin on. <laughs> right, God loves the world around us, the one that we walk around in every day. But for that world, we are the love of God with skin on, right? He's not gonna show up on the corner or in a pillar of fire and start telling people how much he loves them. That's our job. That's our responsibility, right? We have to know this great love enough to have it move our lives in a different direction so the world around us notices, right? We are the ones that Peter says must, quote, be able to give a reason for the hope that is in you, in a world that desperately needs hope. When was the last time you did something as simple as just tell someone, hey, Jesus loves you? Right on Wednesday, one of the folks that attends our midweek Bible study said that very thing, right? He was in a dark and difficult place in his life and a woman on a bus said those words to him. You know, Jesus loves you. Simple thing, but he said it actually became a turning point that helped draw him out of a dark place. Right? She took a small step to be loved to him and it made a huge difference. See, this love is the key to the prison that sets free those who are still captive to the enemy of their souls. Will it make a difference as they know God? Yeah. We talk about spiritual warfare and the impact of the enemy all the time around here because it's very real. Nothing can set someone free from that prison except the first dunamis miracle in their life of coming to know the love of God. And we are God's chosen instrument to shine the light of his love into that darkness. So a month ago, I started preparing for this sermon and as I thought about Paul's prayer here for the Ephesians, it occurred to me, it's just that. It's a prayer. <laughs> so for the last 30 days, I have prayed this over our church body every day. So I want to pray that over us again now. And as, as I pray this, pray this with me in your heart, over your own life, over the life of our church that the love of God would fall on your heart and our church body here discovered that we might know this love that surpasses knowledge. Father, I now pray that out of the glorious riches of your grace, you would strengthen each one of us and the body of DCC as a whole with power through your spirit in our inner beings that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith and that being rooted and established in your love, we might have power together with all your holy people in this church and in our community to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we might be filled with all the fullness of God.
Now to you who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you, Jesus, be the glory in the church throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I pray that you meditate today and the rest of the week on how great the love of God is for you, that you choose to go further and deeper into the ocean of that faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you. This love is so vast, God. Your love is so vast. Give us the power through your spirit to know this love in a new way today, this week, this coming holiday season through the end of the year as we're around people that we would celebrate and that you would open our eyes to see your love in ways that we never have before. Maybe because we've never been allowed or because we've never believed that we could or that we weren't worthy. But help us to put aside the things that we think gain your approval and know that there is no such thing, God. (laughs) We can't win your approval and you don't want us to. You don't need us to. You love us so much more than that. Be glorified in each of our hearts and in this body today and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, we have prayer team in the back. Um, if you want someone just to pray for you about this love, that you, would, that you would know this, that you would experience it in a new way. Uh, yeah, go back there. They're happy to pray with you. Um, we're going to do communion now as well, right? We'll have two stations up here, um, one over here, one over here. We have wine and bread up front. You just come up and dip the, the bread and the wine. We have uh, juice and gluten-free crackers in the back if you'd like to serve yourself. You don't have to be a member of this church to do communion here. You just have to want to accept that great love, right, and know that that's who Jesus is to you. Right, and as you take the wine and the bread. Remember the love, right? Remember the love that brought Jesus here in the first place right? to make a way where we couldn't make a way ourselves. Thanks, guys. Love you. Have a great week.